Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast. My name is Tom Baker. I am the host of the show. This is the long-awaited episode 108. We have been, um, I think, about uh, two months almost between uh, episode 107 and now this show, and there is a reason for that. Uh, I will explain that in due course here um, as we get into the show uh, but um, a lot of things are going on, uh, and so um, anxious to share, and we will do so momentarily. Um, what else do we have for you here on this episode? We will, of course, have what's in the number, and this time it's the number 08, and its relevance in Oswego Speedway and Super Modified history, and I feel like this is kind of a, it's a fun number just because of who has driven the number and some of the things we can reminisce about and stories we can tell. Um, and so that will be fun. And the other thing that we're going to do is we are going to transition back to the 1972 season rewind, um, concept that we were doing in the beginning of this year some of the earlier shows of the year that we got away from I kind of broke us off of that when I had the idea to do the um, 1976 Port City race breakdown that took about four shows because it took about four weeks to finally run the doggone race um, so we we did kind of the theme within a theme there Um. And then as the current season kept going, um, we, we never really got back to 72. So um, we're going to do that starting on episode 109. But today, um, I have a segment that we put together on the 1977. And it's not specific to the classic, but, but the, the sort of time of year in which the classic was run because I happened to pull out that program the other day, the classic book and just reading through Ivers column. Um, I had forgotten about some things that were kind of rumored to be happening. It was an interesting time in super modified racing. Um, some of the things that were going on in 1977 around classic time. So um, thought it would be fun as a transitional, and then we're going to uh, return to the 1972 season and continue with that starting on episode 109, which is our next show. Um, so we got that coming up as well. And of course, there's, there's some news from the super modified world that um, I want to talk about with you. Uh, as we go through the show as well. So we have no guests today. It's just you and I. Um, so, and, and uh, we have a lot of ground to cover. So I hope you find this show to be interesting. Uh, again, I want to say thank you to our sponsors, um, to Rich Worth and JNS Paving and Sean Cathcart 
Skip's Fish Fry and McGrath's Pub and, and also to Jeff West and the folks uh, from IPC Indie, IndiePerformance.com. Uh, um, it's... Um, it, it, they have been very patient uh, while we've kind of had this break. So I want to get into why we've taken it. And it's it centers around um, the ongoing effort that I've made over the past couple of years to create something that I thought would be fun for grassroots racing specifically. But of course, we do cover all kinds. Um, we just kind of focus on the entry levels in each kind of discipline. So we're really excited about um, things like, you know, quarter midgets and legends cars and, um, and go-karts on up into the weekly classes. So, you know, super modifieds, modifieds, late models, dirt. Um, and then, the classes that are kind of at the lower end of the other uh, disciplines too, like for example, the vintage racing SVRA is just so much fun to cover because the cars are just awesome. It's all, again, it's vintage. So think older, um, X Indy cars, X formula cars, X NASCAR stock cars, two seaters. You go to a race, SVR, it's, there's all kinds of cool stuff to look at and cool people that, that participate in that series. Um, your entry level endurance series like champ car world racing league, um, to groups like stock car classics, which is a Southeast based group. And those guys have, you know, older cup cars that most of them are restored. They're actual cars that have raced and some of them are replicas but these guys do exhibition style racing at tracks of the area here. And um, the, again, some of these cars are just so cool. And the stories that I've already heard from some of the folks who are part of this group of about almost 9,000 people, I think now worldwide that are involved in, in this, this larger Facebook uh, group Um you know, the, that's fun and, and it's different. And, you know, I've, I've come to love and, and really appreciate the history of the entire sport, not just, um, super modified. So, um, I've, as I launched my current brand steering wheel nation, I wanted it to be a hub for content from across the motorsports world. I wanted it to be an engaging community. I always pictured it as a neighborhood bar and grill for motorsports. That's really what I wanted. Um, I just had trouble building it. <laughs> um, and I was, you know, I was misled by a couple of different design agencies and it was kind of a, a deal where, um, you know, we can build you a Mercedes for the price of a Chevy Volt or whatever um, Chevy spark. Um, and so I learned, I, I learned way too much about website development and design and the technology that goes into all that over the last couple of years. Um, so if anybody, uh, is looking to build a website and wants something that's a little more than just your 
you know, GoDaddy uh, cheap build that looks really good. Um, just let me know. I'm not necessarily interested in selling you a website, though I do now know people who do a real good job on building sites. But, um, you know, I can I can save you a lot of hassle. <laughs> that's that's for sure. Um, so voice of experience on that. Well, we finally got phase one of that up, that website up uh, in late April, I think this year, and have gotten a ton of compliments on it. But that didn't address the community aspect. And so we also wanted an app because we know that that most people now, um, at least who are younger than me, um, do most of their surfing from their phones. So we wanted an app, but I wanted I didn't want to just have an app that that looked like the website. I wanted wanted something. I wanted an engaging sort of interactive community. I wanted to create a a place where we could do chats, we could do live events, we could do driver Q and A's, we could do um, all kinds of different things. We could do giveaways or whatever. And um, once we kind of settled back. Um, on just building a basic website to start, which is what I have. Um, then we needed to go find a lot of times when you're trying to do something digitally, what you end up having is you end up trying to sort of glue together, if you will, um, multiple pieces of software, you know, that, that would all work. So WordPress, for example, which is the big website building platform, you have what's called plugins. Those are just pieces of software that that you can download and you can attach to your website that work in simpatico with, with the site. And um, there's plugins to do all kinds of things. And they had some community options, but... Um, I just wasn't happy with them for different reasons. And so um, we kind of went along in the summer and, and I was just getting back into the content and, you know, side of things and whatever. And all of a sudden we um, had an opportunity. There were some folks interested in, in having a magazine and um, that would be print and digital. So we ended up launching Steering Wheel Nation magazine, which is the first, the preview issue is coming out this month. Um, it's at the printers now. That's part of my news. Um, so this is a living, breathing thing. I have the digital. Um, I, I, I have it. I've seen it. I've approved all the pages for print. Um, so my team and I are uh, are doing this. It's a quarterly. So this issue will happen now this month. And it's basically designed just as a preview issue. Like I said, it's a little shorter than what we're, you know, going to be doing on a, on a quarterly basis next year. But, um, the print schedule right now is, is November. That's this current issue that's coming out. That will be the launch issue. And then, um, we'll go from, I think this one's 32 pages. We're going to settle on probably about 48, um, in the, in, in the regular issues that are coming out in February, May, August, and November. 
next year. That's how that's going to work. The second month of every quarter is when it'll mail. Um, so that's happening. And we put that out. You get four issues of the print for the digital at twenty nine ninety five. And the idea that we had was we we're going to take the digital and expand it beyond what was in the print and uh, take advantage of the audio and video opportunities that a digital would offer. But then we were introduced to a platform out of Nashville called Magic. And this platform is amazing. It is exactly what I was looking for in an engaging, interactive, community-type platform. It Think about, imagine if you could have all the functionality of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and the ability to, to do live stream audio and video to instantly upload content and with the push of a button put it into everybody's hands that's a part of your following or your community without having to worry about algorithms whether you were on Facebook that day or being censored or canceled for any reason um that is what this platform is and we are now the first motorsports entry to be on it and we are going to hopefully be able to help many other motorsports entities to be on it as well. This has some revolutionary tools to monetize a community, monetize your followers in ways that you can't do with a Facebook group. And that's what what is really appealing to um, a lot of the folks that are using this. And, and it's not just... Um, these aren't cheap tools. They have uh, augmented reality. They have tools that uh, if you're a racetrack, for example, you can engage those who are in your community on the app version of, of this. Um, and you can engage them through uh, interactive events. Think caution flag brought to you by you know, AutoZone or whatever. Um, and these are all highly marketable because, again, it's not about a social media page. This is a community platform you can access through PC or your your app, the app that goes with it on your phone. But the app is the genius part because that's where the interactivity takes place. Um, you, you know, sponsors are are able to be a part of what you're doing and you're able to guarantee that everybody's going to see what you're doing because it happens through a dedicated private community page that's that's built into this app. And so it's a beautiful thing. It's very easy to use. Um, we have, we've built the house, so to speak, on the platform. We're now... I'm now in the process, now that the magazine's done, I'm in the process now of um, putting the furniture in, so to speak. That's the content part, right? Um, putting content into the community and starting to sort of shape that the way we want it. And we're going to, um, we're going to open that. We're, the, the tentative 
date is December 1st. I say tentative because uh, I would say that's a good drop dead, but we're going to try to get it open sooner. Um, we're going to have two of them, a free community and one for the subscribers. So now here's, here's what we were able to do. One of the big features of this uh, community, this platform, is that they have what's called an e-reader built into their uh, software, to their tool chest, um, toolbox. An e-reader is what you need in order to post a digital magazine online and have it be able to be read like a magazine. So they have the e-reader. So the, the, the plan is to put the digital version of the magazine on this new, on our new platform, our new hub. And so if you subscribe and, and some of you have already to the magazine, here's what's going to happen. You're not just going to get the magazine anymore for your subscription price. You're going to get a whole bunch of other content that we're going to feed you on an ongoing basis every week, all year long. Okay. What this is, is going to do is going, it's going to be the hub for everything steering wheel nation does. So when we're doing content, whether it's at track or whether it's just during the week, feature stories, whatever interviews, our shows are all going to be accessible. Um, our websites already accessible inside of the community. And again, we're going to have two, two sides to the community, a free and a paid and the only reason I felt good doing that is because we already have the magazine, which is the sort of hands-on piece of the subscription. We were already doing the subscription. Now we're just, instead of having to mess with a digital file of the magazine, we're just going to give it to you basically in this community, this extra content. We're going to do, I, I can't wait to see what we can do with this, with these tools that we've got. Um, but we are already, I can tell you this, we're already planning a, a big, uh, event, um, that we're going to do, uh, an opportunity and subscribers will have the first opportunity, um, first access to, uh, the, an event that we're going to do in 2023, um, which hopefully will be announced when we open the community, we'll be able to announce the event. Um, and if, if this event works the way I hope that it will, we're going to duplicate it at least one more time in 23, if not twice. And then in 24, I think if, again, if, if this goes well in 24, um, we'll have a whole new sort of approach to, um, to what we do in terms of, um, you know, doing these, these big events at different race events. That's what this is tied to is, uh, opportunities to be a part of different, uh, big race events. So, um, we're, we're really excited about where this can go. The platform, um, is just amazing. And what'll happen is, uh, the for either for subscribers or for those of you who just want to have the beyond the, the, the free side of the platform, which again, will have its own content. We'll have a, a, a group there similar to a Facebook group. Um, and so we're going to have, again, we're going to feed both, both ends, but the subscribers to the magazine, if you've already subscribed and you're wondering, well, how am I going to get into this community? 
just stand by because as soon as we're ready and we we get it ready to open, we're going to send you an email and it's going to have both a QR code and then also what's called a text to. Um, so you'll have a choice. You can either use your camera to scan the QR code. And once your camera reads the QR code for your phone, that is the camera on your phone, once it reads your QR code, it will automatically put the app on your phone and, and put you into our community. So you won't have to do anything. Just You just scan the QR with your phone. The other alternative you'll have is if you're just, you know, really nervous about the QR code and can't figure that out, which it's really not hard, but um, then you, you will be able to text SWN for Steering Wheel Nation, SWN to um, whatever number that uh, they assign to us here. Um, and um, again, you'll have a link and you just click on the link and it'll, it'll again, put the app on your phone and put you in our community. And, um, and, and you'll be right behind the wall if you subscribe. Now, it, it, we will also be soon starting to promote the free part of the community. Um, and again, it'll be either a QR code or a text uh, to kind of thing. Um, so it's real simple. If, if, if you were to try to go to your uh, Play Store, your, your phone's app store, and download the community, you, you wouldn't see anything because you haven't been put into anybody's community yet. Um, so just hang on and we're going to, we'll get to that here over the course of this month and, and get everybody set to officially launch on the first of December. But this is really going to be fun. And I would like to see every track, every series, every, uh, you know, every team on this, this platform, because I know what these tools can do. And when, when you all start seeing examples of what these tools can do, um, then you'll understand why I'm so excited about it. This is not, again, this isn't, this is about me being in a position to make a difference for motorsports and up and, and help kind of lift up, especially from the bottom, um, and, and provide, the very best opportunities for people to uh, hopefully promote themselves and grow their own community. Because again, this is going to be a private community and it's a, it's an anchored platform. So it's not like Facebook in the sense that um, even a Facebook group still exists on Facebook. It's hard to monetize a group um, if you're trying to do that. And it also is still subject to me having to be on the platform or be on it regularly to see. Otherwise, I miss posts and miss things that are going on because I'm not on there all the time. Well, we're creating a community where we're going to let you know what's going on because once you have the app on your phone, you'll see a push notification that just says, you know, breaking news or don't forget, you know, Inside Groove launch, you know, uh, episode tonight. So then that way we can start to standardize our programming and, and we're going to add some more podcasts, some more shows, um, and, and, and it will hopefully expand beyond the content we create at Steering Wheel to others' content as well that we'll bring in to our, our mix and our hub. Um, and so that's what we're trying to do with this. So um, that all... <laughs> 
that all came together almost at the same time. So I, uh, I've been head down, fin up basically for the last couple months, just trying to get the magazine put together and to get the, uh, the platform to work things out with, with them and, and kind of explain motorsports. And we've been working on, um, cause this is not, if you, if you want to be on this, you know, as a track or a series, there is a charge. It's really not anything to be honest, but there is a charge for it. And, and, uh, because they're providing you services here, um, and they're, the, they have to develop the interactive events that you will want, um, those are developed by the folks uh, that own the platform. And so, but these things are crazy. So I sent them a demo just to give you a quick example you can kind of relate to. Um, if I say right now on this show, this show is being sponsored by LaGroff's Pub. We can put an event into this show that as soon as I say LaGroff's Pub, If you are in our community and you look at your phone and you're listening to this show and you have the app, doesn't matter where you listen to it from. You can listen to to it from our website or from in, you know, from the platform itself or from um, anywhere else like, like Apple or whatever, but wherever this show is, if you have the app and you're in our community free or paid, you will, (coughs) excuse me, you will, you, we could, we can actually, as soon as I say LaGroff's Pub, you look and there's a coupon for 10% off your next dinner at LaGroff's. It's awesome. It's incredible. Um, if I'm promoting a race at the Oswego Speedway, we literally can can make it so that Oswego's website um, pops up or directions to the track pop up. Um, it is these things are just incredible and and the ability to interact during live events live races um you can live stream audio or video with this it's great it's just a it's it's an amazing they've done a great job of doing of putting something together that is completely exclusive and is next level and they're still developing more more tools so um that's coming and the magazine, like I said, has gone to the printer. Um, this show is going to come out on Friday. You have until Sunday evening. The um, I think it's the 13th is this Sunday. Um, this Sunday evening, I think it's uh, what's this, Thursday the 10th. So, yeah, Sunday the 13th is the deadline to subscribe if you want to get the first issue in the mail. There, There is a... I, I wrote a, a story about Jimmy Champagne. It's in the first issue, and it's one of the most personal stories I've ever written. It kind of recounts the night from my perspective, September 4th, 1982, and it really um, it, it, it gives tribute to Jimmy, and, and it's, it's just a very different sort of a piece for me to write. It took me quite a while. It's the biggest piece in the magazine. Um, and there are a number, a number of other stories. Keith Champagne has written some really cool stuff about different, uh, go-karting, um, divisions and, um, also about the re- resurgence of, uh, Batavia, the track in Batavia, New York that Bob Reese owns that's in the magazine as well. Um, and so, um, if you want to subscribe, you have until Sunday, the 13th 
um, to go and subscribe, steeringwellnation.com, and just hit the big, there's a big box right at the top of the homepage, steeringwellnation.com. Hit that, and because um, we have to, uh, we got to give a, a, um, a print count by Monday. Um, so Sunday the 13th is the deadline, and uh, to receive the first preview issue in the mail with, with that, uh, we, we obviously will be focusing on um, super modifieds and modifieds and um, a lot of different stuff. Um, and, and again, you're not just subscribing to the magazine. You're also, when we open up the community, you will be given a year of access to that as well. Um, so excited to, excited to, uh, to be doing this. This should be a lot of fun. We're going to try to have as much interactive activity as possible. And, um, it'll be a way for us to kind of hub everything in one place. And those of you in the subscriber community, you will also have access to the free community. But if you're in the free community, you will not have access to the magazine or any of the stuff in the subscriber area. So, um, there you go. So that's what I've been up to. Um, honestly, I've got some folks that are involved with these projects that are just great people. They're, they're really excited to be able to bring a little bit of a different approach to um, a motorsports community. And we hope that this will take off like wildfire and um, maybe ignite some uh, track series divisions that, um, you know, that desperately need innovative ways to get sponsors Um this offers it and and the same tools are offered to the go-kart racer as they are to the, you know, big track or NASCAR, or it's all the same tools. It's all the same, um, opportunities. So, uh, they're expanding out of their, uh, independent musician roots with this platform. They're, uh, They've got about 800,000 people already using it through the communities that currently exist there. So this is not a new thing. It's just new to motorsports. And um, I'm, I, I slash we, Steering Wheel Nation, are just the lucky ones who are blessed enough to be able to be the first and help to reach out to everybody else in the community um, who wants to be involved with it now as a user, it doesn't cost you anything. If you, you know, you're going to, if you subscribe to the magazine, you get the subscriber area of our community for free. Um, if, you know, once we open up the free community, if you want to just be in that, and you don't want the magazine, you just want to hang out in the free space, then you can do that too. Um, you know, again, it doesn't cost you anything to be in a community unless, you know, again, it's a subscriber community which we we're going to have one of each like i said because we're, we're just adding a subscriber area to the magazine so we can give you a whole lot more cool content all year long um for your 29.95 so we're again trying to be value conscious and um give you as much as possible for the money okay so that's that i hope you all understood that you'll start seeing more uh you know on the inside groove uh facebook and the Steering Wheel Nation Facebook, you'll start seeing more about it. Um, we're going to have an official announcement coming up, um, I think, on Monday to kind of formally 
uh, announce it, and we're working on a promo video and different things as well with the folks from uh, the platform. So um, this is going to be fun, and it's going to be a catalyst for for us to be able to offer some things where um, you know racers can can have some behind the scenes opportunities and you know access uh, at at some different events that uh, we choose. And um, I think our first one is. Well, I don't want to say yet. <laughs> well, uh, I better make sure that uh, the everything is in writing before I let that one slip. But um, it, it will be next May, so we'll 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 put it there. If if that if this comes together, it will be in May. So um, okay, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we will talk about 1977, right around Classic time. Just to have a little fun. It's kind of a remember when segment. And then we'll finish up with our what's in the number segment and have some current news mixed into that as well. So we'll be back with more of the groove right after this. Hey, here's a little fish tale for you. It's about a place named Skip's Fish Fry. Skip's Fish Fry is located at 42 West 2nd Street in Oswego. They're open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 7. So don't call them on Sunday or Monday. They're gone fishing. They are open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 7. They serve a variety of great fish, burgers, Hoffman hot dogs, conies, lobster, soup, salad. They even have cheesecake if you feel like some delicious dessert. I love their haddock pieces. That's one of my favorites. Uh, And they just have great food. It is the best fish in the Port City. I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor of the show. It is one of the first places that I go to eat every time I'm in town. So call Skip's Fish Fry or go visit them on their website at skipsfishfry.com. And by the way, you can order online and just go pick it up. It's a great way to go ahead and take care of the not-so-fun part before you get there. And then when you get there, just pick up your food, bring it home, and enjoy. Skip's Fish Fry, 42 West 2nd Street in Oswego. Go visit them. Welcome back to The Groove. Okay, so let's go back to 1977. Now, I'm not going to do a a whole season, obviously, Um, we again um in our now that we sort of are going to have the place to put all our stuff uh you may see more of i may actually start breaking out some of these years and and doing entirely separate shows or you know some form of written or whatever pieces about a lot of the stuff just because now we'll have a, a, a place to do it and hopefully a, a growing community to, to, to be able to see it and, and learn about all of this history. Um, so, but what I want to do here is I have the classic book. Now, again, we're not going to talk so much about the race itself because I think I've done that before, but um, <clears throat> I want to focus on just sort of generally some of the the things that were happening around that time. So, so let's remember for a moment, first of all, in 1977, Jimmy Champagne debuted his radical offset middle of the year, won two in a row, just, you know, untouchable in those races. Kempton dates was the top dog aside from Jimmy 
and would win the championship that year. He also came within a lap or a few laps of uh, winning the classic. I think 194 is when he ran out of fuel. Warren Conium took the lead. Again, Conium driving for Dave McKnight in a dates built car. Um, but Bentley Warren had been racing for a couple of years. The four wheel drive car was banned at the end of 76. Freddie Graves had a brand new car that was supposedly could be either two or four wheel drive. Um, it just wasn't running very well. Um, but when I looked at this, I, I'm keying in on either the driver's state of the competition address here. Um, this is one of the things I most look forward to in the classic book every year. And really in the programs in general was the Ivor column, right? That was the gossip. It was where you got all the news and rumors and cool things to think about and discuss. And then he would make his picks and sometimes he was spot on. Sometimes he was not. <laughs> um, and, uh, so do you remember that in 1977, Nolan Swift and Bill Wright split up? They had been together since the start of Nolan's career in the 50s. They split up in 1977, right before the, shortly before the Classic, during the season. And, um, the car just, uh, he had, they had built a new car and no one had gotten it working a little better with a wing. That car flew. He won at Fulton in a hundred lapper at the beginning of that year, but it just didn't work so well with a swig. I think he won a Concy or two or heat, whatever, but, um, just really wasn't too competitive. Do you know where Billy Wright went or at least where Iver said he went? though it never really came to pass. He was supposed to go work with Richie Evans. Richie Evans was going super modified racing. Now in 1975, Richie had driven Nolan Swift's car at Thompson and he absolutely just destroyed the field. Um, and one, in, I don't mean destroy like Wreckham. He just, he was heads and shoulders, the, the best car that day. So in 1977, Ronnie Wallace, who had won the championship in 75 with Dick Rainer, Roscoe Town in the 76 car and then ran it again in 76 and struggled a little bit, still competitive, but not quite as. I think he won a race or two that year. Started 77 with this wicked, cool new body style. And it got banned for what reason? I don't really know. Um, you know, again, we started, you know, it was, it was always a Roman Chabrung thing, but the, the rule book started getting more and more, you know, well-defined. It became, it was starting to become less and less run what Chabrung four wheel drive was gone then here, Ronnie, they put like this almost um, like the old Grand Prix cars style body on the car. Gorgeous looking piece. Banned. So, you know, they 
they ended up selling out everything they had, including a modified to Richie Evans. And Richie was going to run the 76 car, which would, of course, be repainted to his livery orange and Evans orange in 61. And um, he was supposed to run the classic. He was going to run on Sunday. It was the rumor at this time. So, like, I don't know how many people realize that Richie Evans was razor close. He actually did run it at Star one night. I'm not sure he did anything spectacular with it, but he did get it out and run it at Star. Um, Maynard Troyer was also involved in the news that year because, of course, Jimmy Champagne chose Maynard to drive his Roadster for the Classic while he ran the new car the radical offset. Um, and so Maynard was going to be involved. So there's, there's the two of the three, I would argue with Jeff Bodine being the other one, but you got Jerry cook and all those I know, but I think Richie Maynard and Jeff Bodine were sort of the pinnacle of the modified class in those days. Um, you know, two of the best in modifieds, that, that were supposed to be in the classic field that year. Now, when it got to the weekend, um, Richie, they brought the 61 to the track on Friday night for practice. Jimmy Winks hot lapped it, and apparently they discovered some problems with it. And so they decided to just park it. So it, we never did get to see Richie in a classic. How, how interesting would that have been? Maynard did run the classic. And we all know the story about that. Um, had an agreement with Jimmy that if, if they had a red flag and Jimmy was out and needed the car, wanted the car, they would swap. Relief driving was allowed. And they swapped. Uh, they made that swap and swap. In fact, when Del Meeks hit the wall, I think it was after that, um, during that red flag, when Del Meeks flipped and, um, and, and Maynard got out of the car running, I think he was running fifth or seventh or somewhere. He was, he was right in the mix anyway. And Jimmy got in it, ended up, I think fourth. And, and then, um, of course, Richie never did race. Ronnie Wallace was also part of the news because he had been driving Steve Miller's car all year and actually had some decent runs with it. But, you know, when we talked to Steve on an, on an earlier episode of the show, he talked about how he always had smaller motors. He just could never afford the, the, the quality of motor that guys like Jimmy had. And so the car handled really well, but... Um, the rumor was that Ronnie was going to have a brand new Roscoe town, Dick Rainer built car. And in fact, they showed up with it and it was radical. It was a very different looking car. It was, it was, you know, they had some issues with it out of the box, but it showed great potential. He did make the race. I mean, he didn't do anything spectacular, but he got in. And then, um, of course they used to race some races after the classic, um, in that, period of time um and he um he ran the end of year race and then what happened banned why because i don't know something about the cage being outside of the frame rail or something again where we were 
you know, we, we, we started to, you know, became less and less around what you brought, right? Um, you know, it was, we were starting to define the super modified more in, in that, in that period of time. Um, and it, it was a shame because that car, um, never really got to see its full potential much like, um, the, I, I would have liked to have seen that 76 car with a big wide body style on it to see what it would have done at a Swiggo if they could have dialed it in or whatever. And, uh, would have liked to have seen obviously, uh, the new 76 get some more time as well. Um, so you had a really sort of diverse and, and then there was Merv Tricler who ended up driving the 04. He had run some races. What car was it? I think it was the close car, 69 car, maybe a couple of years earlier. Um, but, but Merv got in the 04 and, and made the race and was running and, and ended up in the Del Meeks wreck. But, um, marvelous Merv from the modified division was in that classic as well. There was a lot going on. I feel like 1977 was again, there was, that was that moment in a moment in time when we started to, um, evolve what we, what, what the super modified could and couldn't be. So, you know, the, the, the 76 car was actually, they had, now that I think about it, they had two cars in one year that were banned because the well the body style on the one car was 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 outlawed, and then they they built the um the car that Ronnie ran classic with, and it got one or two races after that, and it got banned. So, so you know, Serener in town. Um, I think they ended up working with Ronnie on. Uh, Jim Ferrito's car the next year. So they didn't uh, totally get out of it. But if you think about 1977 and right around that time, all the stuff that was going on, like we said, that's all straight out of the classic book. And you think about what if Richie could have run the classic? What if they gotten that car running halfway decent? You know, what if Maynard had been able to finish the classic in that car? in the eight ball. What if, you know, Ronnie Wallace, what have they been able to continue to run that, that wide body style? Will we see more of that? What if they, what if they got the, got more time on the new car? You know, what was the potential for it? I don't even really understand. I don't understand completely the advantages of that car other than it, it seemed to be built to sort of resemble the idea that Jimmy created with his offset but um but it was it was it was kind of a it was it was a little bit of a goofy looking car from the from the sort of the fan side um it 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 was almost like it was it you didn't have the body panels didn't go all the way down the side of the car didn't you know it was it was really um sort of a it, it, again, I can't really describe it, but it was a strange looking car, a little bit of a different looking car. Um, not to say it was not really cool looking, just to say it was really different. And I don't, I don't necessarily know. Um, and maybe someone else that knows that can, can tell me, but, um, and, and it would, if they do, it would be fun to get them on the show and let them talk about it. But it, it, it's, um, 
I'm sure it was something to do with Offset, but it was just a different take, a different, uh, slightly different version of what Jimmy had with a radical. And, um, you know, what if that what if that had been allowed to I would have loved to have seen that. You know, so um, when you think about what almost was on that classic weekend, you know, you almost had Richie Evans and Maynard Troyer both in cars that, that had won races and been so impactful in super modified history, just recent history. Of course, Jimmy's went back to what year did he build that originally the wedge was it 68, 69, I think 69, maybe. Um, and you know, what if it's, it, it really was, it kind of blew my mind to go back and realize, um, you know, classic then, was one of those races, right? It was one of those events. Like it was almost like a, 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 a miniature chili bowl in those days where you were liable to get almost anybody in a car. We had George Snyder one year who was a big open wheel guy with AJ Foyt. Right. Um, I mean, you, you know, there were rumors one year that Steve Krizloff was going to drive, um, I mean, gosh, you know, you could go back and we could get off on a whole tangent about those kinds of guys coming to run a classic, but you just never knew who was going to show up in a, in a car for the classic in, in those days, but to have, to have been able to, to have Richie and Maynard in the same race, if that could have happened and then to see what the future for that 76 car could have been. Cause that, you know, how could, you know, maybe Ronnie could have, I mean, he can run too bad with Jimmy Fuido's car, but I feel like, you know, once that Rainer Town period was over, Ronnie really never uh, got back to being the front runner that I thought he he deserved to be and was talented enough to be. And, you know, although he had some show cars toward the end of his time where, you know, they were fast and my gosh, he just had so much bad luck with stuck throttles or broken parts where he just, you know, crashed and destroyed them. Um you know, and he actually ran the old, the, the newest uh, Swift car a few times when Ron Gapsky had it and got it around pretty good. So, you know, it, it, it uh, that, that period of time, you know, was really kind of more impactful in the super modified racing history books than, you know, what, um, what we probably would have would think about it at, at first glance just remembering you know dates winning the championship or jimmy bringing out the offset there was there was more going on and there was you know again there were some some cars outlawed and some things that were no no that's not acceptable so it started to become that is not okay um that doesn't we don't want that in super modified racing and of course i think it climaxed with the band of the rear engine a couple of years later and then we started to see the um that the run with Chibrung aspect the the area of innovation started to go away and and so that was really an interesting um that was a very interesting year and it was it's a it 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 kind of is again you got to really think back and and think about it to to pull all of that out but um we did see Richie in a super uh you know what what was that 84 85 somewhere 
um, with Skip Matzik's car there, I think 85 maybe, and, and he ended up, remember he drove around um, Muldoon and Bellinger to win the heat on the last lap on the outside. I mean, that's just, again, that's something that I w- w- would have seen in the go-kart race I was at this weekend. You know, the four-cycle sprint race, you see stuff like that on road courses where they they use the whole um, whole track and, and you you just never know what you're going to see. Um, that was one of the most amazing things that I had ever seen at Oswego up to that point. He just drove around both of them, beat them to the line as if, as if it was nothing. And that was the genius of the, of the talent that was Richie Evans. And again, he gave up the car to Eddie B that night, I think, because Eddie had an issue with the O2 and never got another chance at it. And that was too bad because I would have loved to have seen what he could have done with some time in the car. So, you know, we almost saw that same opportunity with Richie years earlier in the track championship car, which is now, by the way, in the Northeast Hall of Fame um, in Weedsport. Along with, and here comes the news, along with, we know the Jimmy Champagne car is in there. Well, guess what? Now the Red Creek Rocket's in there too. The restored Red Creek Rocket, if you've not heard about this, is in Weedsport at the Hall of Fame um, alongside its rivals. And I just can't think of a better spot for it. Awesome, 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 awesome. Um, Happy to see that when Jody announced it and glad that so many people are going to now be able to go and and check it out and just, uh, you know, have the time to kind of stand there and and remember, because that's what I always do when I see an older car, you know, you just sort of get frozen for a while and, and your mind just starts going back and, you know, it's, um, just amazing, honestly, to see, that uh, that car has been restored. Still really can't believe it. Um, the whole story is just something that only God could have orchestrated. And um, to see what happened with that and the chain of events that it took to get it to, to, to camp and get it restored and all the people involved. So that's that's a, a very awesome piece of news. Now, there were a couple of other pieces of news. First of all, um. MSS and ISMA are apparently working on some sort of a merger of sorts, a partnership of sorts. I'm not sure how it's going to work. I I really don't know exactly, you know, what all the specifics are at this point, but um, the apparent intent is that it's either going to be all one organization again or it's going to be two organizations that are going to basically co-sanction everything they each do. Um, And either way, I guess the net result is you're going to see some sort of a combined schedule. Now, what's interesting about this is that if you look at what the organizations kind of brought in with them, uh, MSS, is basically a Midwest series, but they had the co-sanction in Michigan at uh, Berlin, which I think has already been announced for next year with ISMA. So those two shows, the doubleheader, those two shows will happen again. You would think the Sandusky Classic and maybe some stuff at Lorraine, uh, I hope, 
Um, we don't know how many shows. We know that John Nicotra wants to do five shows next year. The three that he did this year with the top wing. And then he wants the king or no, the 10,000 to win. And the classic to also be part of his big sort of point fund challenge series sort of thing. And, um, that should be, and then that should be MS, all of that. Now the, the, what we don't know is if the classic or the 10,000 to win would be MSS and ISMA sanctioned or MSS, ISMA or ISMA, MSS, however they do that. We don't know if that would carry it because it's not, they, they wouldn't be top wing shows. They would be tail wing shows. It appears as though super modified racing at star speedway is dead. And that really honestly makes me mad just to be frank. Um, Bobby Weber jr. Apparently just, you know, something happened. There's some sort of argument over something, um, you know, uh, not sure exactly the, the details of it, but something about, I'm sure it's something about money. Cause that's, that's pretty much what it always comes down to. Um, and so for whatever reason, it appears as though there will be no more super modifieds at star. He has the three fifties. I guess he's content with that. Now that basically takes a, one of the, 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 the crown jewels, the triple crown events out of the picture. Now it's over now, you know, again, what do you do with that? Do you take it somewhere else? and start over or what? And here's what I'm not hearing. I'm not hearing about any shows right now in new England. Um, whether there would be one at Lee or whatever, I don't know. I, I have not heard about anything in new England yet. So we'll see if that develops, but if there's nothing in new England, I don't understand <laughs> I really, I, I, then, then Isma will now be, or MSS or whatever, however, this new combined group or partnership will be strictly Midwest in Oswego. There will be nothing in, in New England, which is a very bad sign about where we're going here. But it is what it is. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I, I hope that at some point we address why aren't we getting any new people into super modified racing? Cause we're not, um, and how do we, cause otherwise it's going to bleed out till it's gone. Um, but there's your, there's your latest news. That's, that's the latest news that I've got as far as what's going on with those, uh, with those folks. And I'm, I know that John Nicotra, I mean, I, I just, John is, John has been amazing. I, and he has a group around him and, and I don't know everybody that's in the group. So I don't even want to start naming names cause I don't want to leave somebody out. Um, but John and his team is how I'm going to umbrella it. And if you're a part of that, then you, <laughs> you, you are included in my huge bit of respect here for what they're doing. Um, but I, I don't, I, I just think it's going to take more than, big money shows. I, I think you've got to have more shows, not less. I think taking the star, getting now the star classic being gone. I don't know what happened there, but 
I mean, I can't believe it was an unbridgeable divide. Um, you know, but there it is. So um, that's the current news that I have. And I, I just, uh, I hope that as we go forward, if this new group or new merger or whatever, I hope that um, there will be more content created so that you all and, and, and I, I, you know, we all can, can amplify it and promote it out and, ex- and introduce this to new people because that's how you're going to get new people. If you don't create any content, if you don't do, if you don't do anything other than, you know, and even a Swiggo Speedway, um, I looked at their page the other day cause I was looking for something for the Jimmy Champagne story. Um, and I happened to notice that they had all they had up there for classic weekend is results. There are no, there is not one single actual recap story on the Oswego Speedway website about the classic weekend races. This is a content creator world. Now it's a digital content creators world. That's how you get sponsors. You build a digital community online. You make it big enough that sponsors will come to you because you've got all of these, what you would call own media. A mailing list is another example of own media, by the way, email list or mailing list. And um, you own those things. They aren't, you know, you can, if, if, if I do a Facebook group and everybody comes into my group, Facebook owns that. The group doesn't own it. You know, nobody, Facebook owns that. I'm really shocked, honestly, that there wasn't, I mean, we had, there are so many stories from Classic Weekend. I am shocked that there there wasn't more stuff. And, you know, it's, it's uh, on a Swiggo site, I, I, I don't understand what what's happening with all of that. I, I don't know why it seems like every one of the tracks and sanctioning bodies that 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 are that that are involved with super modifieds, big blocks, and obviously a swig was involved with small blocks and three fifties too. But I don't understand why none of them do any content. A Facebook post saying who won the race isn't that's Facebook isn't your whole media. It's just one place you put it. And I, I don't understand why we're not so passionate. The people in charge of these things apparently are not nearly passionate enough about what we, about super modifieds anymore to want to put out pieces about the cool drivers and the cool people and the cool things that, that we still have. I mean, good grief. Joe Gozik is what 40. That was his 42nd. Was it 42nd classic? And, you know, the man is mid sixties now and still could probably beat up half the pit area. Right? <laughs> um, you know, he's in great shape and he's still racing. There's a story there. You know, why, why? I, I don't understand. 
why we why everybody that basically is in charge of the division all the the all the main parties to it collectively basically produce almost zero content about what it is who it is and the history of it why <laughs> i just don't get it but that's what we're trying to do with steering wheel nation and obviously we're not just about supers or whatever we're i'm i need i need to be um about everything in the sport and uh but and we've got now the perfect place if isma or mss or you know oswego or whoever if they want to be a part of this community hub we've got the tools for them to to go out and get sponsors we've got the technology we've got the the entire model is there if they want to take advantage of it is it free no because the because people have to build the interactive events and in in and there's 800,000 people on this platform that you can you know cross promote to with the right promotion with the right sponsor this is this could be a real big benefit to anyone who has a following who's trying to monetize and grow that following and interact with them in real time and and really be able to have fun um i don't know it's uh so it's it's just interesting to me the way that that we've gone here and i'm confused by the fact that it just seems like none of these people understand the digital world that we're in. And everybody thinks if I have a website and Facebook, I got it. And it, 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 they forget that you have to actually post stuff and, and that there's all these great personalities. But then again, a lot of the drivers don't really put a lot of time into their own promotion either. And then they keep wondering why they don't get sponsors. You know, it's, it's, it's a different world now and I've been fighting to survive in it just like everybody else. And I've, I've learned and, and, uh, so, you know, hopefully maybe going forward, this MSS is deal will help things a little bit. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see some improvement and maybe, you know, we'll see some people come in and, and be able to maybe the attitudes toward, um, you know, toward, toward content and, and, you know, the, the, the way that you used to do media and actually write about things and put stories out there so that people would get excited about what you're doing. Maybe some of that will come back with it because, you know, I don't know if there's any real hope left for the big block super modified division to grow, but, you know, I think we're, you know, we, we, we've, we've got to change something we're doing. I think several things we're doing and that's kind of where I am with that. So with that, um, we're going to step aside and when we come back, it'll be all about the number 08. So we look forward to that on the other side of this break. You're listening to the inside groove, super modified podcast, and we'll be right back. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indie Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. 
They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter. If you've got something that you need designed or fabricated, let them help you transform your idea, your vision, and your budget into a workable, high-performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services End-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove sent you. Welcome back to The Groove as we begin our final segment for this week. We're going to start just uh, with some a little bit of news, and I say that it's news, but I really don't know what exactly to say that it is. So we'll just kind of uh, talk about what we know, and we'll go from there, and then we'll transition into what's in a number to finish up the show. So the news is that apparently there is an evolving partnership of some sort between MSS and ISMA. It appears as though they are basically going to have one schedule that is co-sanctioned by both. And I've even heard some talk that there may be actually a merger to make it one organization again, which I assume would be called ISMA, um, that MSS would just merge with them. But I I can't say that that part is a for sure. What I can say is that it appears as though there's going to be one schedule that both organizations will sanction. And so every race on that schedule, I guess, would be a point race for both groups, which is interesting if that's true. So um, what what it looks like is that there's already been an announcement about a doubleheader for the second year in a row at Berlin Raceway, which I'm really happy about because I think Berlin's one of the coolest tracks I've ever been to. Um, and then there would be John Nicotra's shows at Oswego. Now, here's where this gets interesting for me is that he's planning three top wing shows again, just like we had this year. Those would be combined uh, MSS and ISMA shows. Now, here's where we'll have to see what kind of clarity we get um, as time goes on. But John also wants to make as part of his series the 10,000 to win race and the classic. But those would be tailwing shows. Oswego wing shows. I don't know that they're part of ISMA or MSS at all. Um, and then you would have the Sandusky classic, uh, the, the star classic, uh, is gone. Something happened at this year's star classic. There was some sort of a discrepancy over, you know, a, purse or um i think uh star speedway i think bobby weber felt like isma odium 
some sort of a small refund and Isma didn't want to give it. So um, he basically threw them out and he has no interest in super modified racing going forward at star speedway. Of course, they've got their three fifty division. So um, that's, that to me is a crying shame because that was one of the triple crown events. So now you have two, two of the three triple crowns, where could we move the star classic to still create that third big 200 lap race? Um, that remains a mystery. It seems like it's just harder and harder for Isma to get shows in new England. So maybe Jennerstown. Um, but right now it looks like, um, maybe three at Oswego, um, a few, in Ohio, Michigan. And so far, that's what we have. So, you know, I, I don't want to take sides here. As far as the star thing, I just, I think it's a shame. It, it, that star classic's been going on for decades. And somehow over a few hundred bucks, we've killed it. And that's sad. And that's just another major bullet wound in the body of big block supermodified racing, which is really sad. Um, but you know, we'll see where we'll see where that goes. But that's that's what's going on. Um, also, while we're on the subject of uh, John Nicotra. John is going to have some surgery, uh, and we are all praying for him. We 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 know that he's as tough as nails, so um, we certainly are all thinking of you, John, and we wish you the best. And um, we we will pray for wisdom and clarity for your the doctors and nurses uh, and your your caregivers and um, obviously for strength and comfort in a full and speedy recovery for you so that uh, you can come back and, um, and continue working on your series and, and, uh, and get back to hundred um, percent. So the other, uh, the other bit of unfortunate news that I want to talk about here before we go into what's in the number is uh since we did the last show, episode 107, uh, we have lost Scott Martell. Uh, sorry, no, Jim Martell. I'm sorry. Since we did the last show, we have lost uh, Jim Martell. Jim is the father of Scott Martell. And Jim was, again, decades uh, in, in super modified racing as a driver owner and um, then an owner for Scott and they had several other drivers in the car um, over the course of that time. And Jim was just one of the nicest guys as is Scott. They, they're just such a great family and it, it, it's always sad to, to hear of uh, the passing of one of our legends, uh, one of our old timers, so to speak in, in super modified racing. And so we, we wish, uh, 
again, prayers for strength and comfort for Scott and his family. Hopefully we'll be able to get Scott on um, an upcoming episode of the groove to talk about his dad and, and, and his own career. Um, and just talk about supers in general. I, I always liked Scott. I always thought Scott was one of the guys that, um, when I went to an ISMA show and of course he did run a swig a weekly, I think for a while, if I remember, um, but was always there for, for bigger shows and classic. Um, I always look forward to saying hi to Scott. Cause he was just, again, just a super nice guy and to his dad as well. So, um, again, our, our thoughts and prayers are with the Martell family, uh, in this time as well. All right. Um, what's in the number? So today the number is 08. Now, again, I, I must say, as I always do, I don't, I don't research these. I don't take time to sit down and write down names. I don't do any of it. It's straight off the top of my head and it is subject to how well, how wide awake my aging brain is at the time that we do it. And every once in a while, my aging brain takes a walk in the middle of the segment. And the last show was one of those times when I did the number 07, I missed Tim Nelson. How do you miss Timmy Nelson? How do you forget Timmy Nelson? Uh, Timmy is unforgettable and he's another one we'd love to get on the show. I know he's down here somewhere, but I have no idea how to reach out. If anybody has a contact for Timmy, um, absolutely would love to, um, to get Timmy on, on a show and talk to him. I think it would be one of the best shows we've ever done. Honestly, um, Timmy is so smart and, and, uh, he's got such a storied history between, um, his start in racing with, oh gosh, I think, um, if I remember right, I think Doug Duncan was one of his mentors and, and, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember for the life of me who he started, whose crew he started working on. It might've been, maybe it was Tony Osetic's crew, perhaps. I don't think it was the Joya crew, but maybe it was. Um, but Timmy, um, then ended up, um, he he drove a car before the 07. I can't remember which one it was, though. I know there was a car that Timmy got into, and I think he only ran it a race or two, and then he bought, I think it was an old Joya car. I think it was one of Stevie's uh, first offsets Timmy bought and ran for a, a number of years and then drove for um, Dave Lair and I think ran a couple races for Skip Matzik in the Troyer 3, maybe? I don't think I'm imagining that, but I could be. Um, but he ran, um, he ran for a, a, a fair amount of years and then ended up coming down here, worked on uh, the pit crew for the 25 car in Rick Hendricks stable. Um, I don't remember who would have been driving it in that time period, but um, he, uh, and he might have, I don't know that he ever made crew chief. He might have, though. I know Andy Graves did with the five car, but I don't know that Timmy ever was crew chief of the 25. But um, but he was heavily into the shock end of the sport and went to work for a shock company. And now I think he might be working for a brake company. But I just, I, I lost track of, of Timmy. 
I would love to get him on a show. I think it would be a lot of fun to talk to him. So if anybody's got a contact, let me know. Um, and so I, sorry, Timmy, that was, uh, again, it's never on purpose. It's just, you know, you just get in the middle. It's live radio the way I treat it and, uh, just completely forgot. So every once in a while, Larry Trinka has to reach all the way over from the Knoxville area and, you know, whack me upside the head, um, and, uh, and then laugh at me for, uh, for my forgetfulness lately. So, um, so that takes care of 07. Now let's talk about the number 08. This number I feel like has been used more than I know or I'll remember. So I have a feeling that you're and and again, that's fine. That's I don't mind, you know, when the moments happen that I do forget somebody, um, that's great because then somebody gets to comment and it starts a thread and you know, somebody will throw pictures. That's that's what this is about, really, is to generate discussion. That's why we do this segment. It's a brain teaser. So um, the first number 08, the first memory I have, again, bearing in mind, I started going in 1973, and Fred Pete was driving an 08, and it was at the, was the old... Uh, champagne car with a little roof on it from the mid 60s i think it was the one he won his first few races in um that has since been restored and key champagne took it out one year and then who was it gozik i think this year that that took it out at uh at retro night i think it was joe gozik that got in it and so it was jimmy's mid mid to late 60s car before the wedge that became the roadster he won so much with in the 70s before the radical offset. Fred Pete was driving it. The Sharkey brothers owned it. Um, I think it was Billy's uncles. I think they were his uncles. Um, And I want to say that um, maybe there was a guy named Ron Gamble that drove it before Fred Pete, but I'm not sure. And I don't know the background of... Fred Pete did also. I can't really talk too much about him, but I think that was who was in the car. And for some stupid reason, again, the things that you forget versus the things that you remember as you get older just always amuse me. Um, I remember Sammy Carista driving the car one night. Um, I don't know why I remember that, but I think I know that I'm almost positive Sammy drove that one night. Um so that was the first one that I remember. And that car, I think, stopped racing in either 74 or maybe it went to 75. I'm not sure, but it it it, it didn't race too long into my tenure at Oswego, maybe a couple years. Um, and then trying to think who would have been the next 08, and it might have been there was... A little bit later in the 70s, I think that Tony, oh gosh, Tony, it was the old Austin Brothers, oh, Don Whalen, first of all, I think was 08, with the the old Austin Brothers 71, Jim Winks bought that in maybe 74 or 5, and ran it as the 22, he was trying to 
when the little deuce stopped racing, I guess this would have been 75, right? Because I think Jimmy was still racing the deuce in 74. Jimmy loved that car. And when Howard stopped racing because of business commitments, Jimmy, um, let's see, Jimmy bought uh, the, the Austin Brothers car because it was sort of a similar upright car, kind of, had a roof. <laughs> I don't really know. You know, Jimmy was, I think he was trying to make it into the Little Deuce. Um, and he won a bunch of uh, qualifying heats and semis with it, but I don't think he ever won a feature with it. And then Don Whelan bought it. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I think, um, I don't know if Don got to run it as 05 or he ran it as 08, but either way, he sold it to a guy named Tony Naraki, I think was the guy's name. Something like that. Naraki, I think. And Tony ran it for only a year or two. And um, and then I think, uh, then he got out of racing. Um, so he, I know he was 08. And I think for whatever reason, I think Whalen had to be 08. And maybe that's because at Bell, had the 05? I'm not sure. I know Don was 05 with the modified, and then when he came back to the uh, Oswego and the SBS division, or limited back then in the 90s, he, he I think he ran 05. He was able to get that number, but I think there was an 05 already, and so I think he was 08 with, with that car, um, but I know Tony was that followed him. Um, then we had... Now, again, I got to think about order here. I think the next one would have been, um, man, I know there was, um, I think Mike Reuter, when he first started, was 08, I believe. The car, what I forgot what car he had. But I think his very first super before the show car one, I think, was 08. Um, and then somewhere in that same period of time, but not obviously at the same time, I believe that uh, Dave Lauks, I think was his name, had bought the Champagne Roadster from Tom Holly who bought it from the Havrons, and I think he ran his 08 as well. Um, but he and Reuter obviously wouldn't have been 08 at the same time, but I think they both were, and maybe Laux was first, and then Reuter, I'm not sure. Um, gosh, let me see, 08. Um, I'm trying to... To scan through the 80s in my mind. And again, it's hard because sometimes you get one off, you know, number changes or whatever, cars from New England or Ohio that, and they're harder for me to, to think of sometimes unless they were really prominent for some reason. Um, so I want to say that maybe, again, I don't know who was, I don't know who came first. I believe Reuter was 08, I want to say. And maybe he had, a, maybe did he have, Maybe he had the old, an old Paino car or something. Um, when he first started, I'm not sure. And I think Laux was 08. And I want to say the next one after whichever of those was last was um, Jim Muldoon. 
I think. I think it was Jim Muldoon. They built Jim, uh, the Muldoon team built Jim a carbon copy of Mike's 80 car, which was a Bellinger car. Is that his first offset, I think, that Mike bought in like 81 or 82. And um, let me see. Uh, so I don't know. I can't remember when it would have been that Jim started racing, but that car, but, um, that was the car. Gosh, I really wanted Jim to win a feature with that car. I was really hoping that when, when, you know, when he had sort of up-to-date equipment, I so badly wanted to see him win a feature. The man deserved it. He raced at Oswego for so long in cars that were, and, and I don't want to, you know, be disrespectful to anybody, but they just weren't winning cars. Right. Um, and, 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 and some of them probably would have been maybe the motor, they didn't have as big a motor as they needed or whatever, but, um, Jim tried so hard for so long and just didn't, wasn't able to win a race and, uh, always felt bad about that, but he, that, that 08 was beautiful. And, um, in fact, I think that became Billy Sharkey's, uh, the, the 52, the, um, uh, the first car that Billy drove, um, that uh, Craig Danzer bought. Um, it was, well, actually, Billy, I think, had driven the Thompson, the old Thompson 91, and I don't remember who would have owned that. But I, I want to say that Billy started his super career just for a race or two in, in that car. Now, who he bought it from, I don't know. Maybe it was Thompson himself. I can't remember. But I swear that was the case. Um, somebody will, will tell me I'm wrong, obviously, if not. But that was a late season thing, and then I think they bought the Muldoon car, um, the 08 car for, for, you know, and that was the car that Billy really drove for, for, um, I think, did they even, was there ever even another dancer car? I'm trying to remember, but, um, but Billy drove that for, for a good bit. Um, gosh, who would, who would have been after? So, um, and I might've missed now, now that I'm thinking about this, somewhere so joe paino sold his car to um all right so let's go back a minute so joe paino built a car in i want to say the mid or late 70s it's a beautiful looking number 06 and it would have been before so it would have been the mid 70s because it would have been before the he bought Del Meeks car, which was a Dates chassis, the Axconium car that Del Meeks bought, that beautiful green car. Um, and and so Joe had his own car and sold that to a guy named uh, Kenny Wheelock, I think was his name. And he was 08, I believe, and that might have been Mike Reuter's first car. Now that I'm putting this all together in my head, and of course I could have this completely backwards, but I think it went Joe Paino to Kenny Wheelock. He remade, he made it 08. And I think Reuter bought that car first and then ended up having a show car, which became the 39. And I think he finished his, I think he ran for Steve Miller a little bit, then finished his, finished his career with, um, gosh, what car? Mike Rizzo, it was a show car and it was Alan Janet Bush, right? Is that, do, is that right? I think that's right. And I think, um, Rizzo started in the car, 
and I don't, I just don't think he was really comfortable or didn't really, you know, it, he, he just got out of it and Ruder got in it. And, um, I think that might've been maybe before Mike drove for Steve Miller, but either way. So I think that Wheelock, I think there, it, so it, it, it probably would have been Wheelock and Naraki or Naraki, then Wheelock, then maybe, um, Ruder, then Lauks, then, um, Muldoon, um, or, you know, if Whelan had, uh, the car 08 before in Iraqi, then it, you know, I don't know if Whelan was 05 or 08, I've forgotten. Um, so I think I, I think we're good up to Muldoon. And then after that is, uh, we, I think the next 08 might've been Gary Sorrell. I think, and I, I was I was stalling because I was trying in my head to think if there was any between Jim Muldoon and Gary Sorrell, but I think uh, I think Gary Sorrell might have been the next one, and he raced for a long time, and then they started putting other drivers in the car, and this is where I feel like I'm going to screw up and miss somebody that I shouldn't, but we're going to try. So, um, let me see. Um, oh wait, I think I could go back to Laux for a minute because I want to say that maybe Joe Hawksby drove that car once and then Joe and Dave built a car together. I think it's how that worked. It was 22. It was a beautiful yellow 22. And I don't know if they built it or if Mike Kapazinski built it. Now that I think about it, that might've been a Kappa car, but it was a yellow 22 and Laux drove it. Um, and, um, so I think Joe Hawksby was in the Laux car once. And I think that's how they kind of got together. So now let's fast forward back. So then Muldoon, then we get to Gary Sorrell. Now Sorrell drives for a number of years um, and was a good racer. And then, oh boy, um, let me think. So in, I know Dave McKnight. And I know Doug Didero. I can't remember which was first. And it doesn't matter because all I have to do is guess the drivers correctly. It doesn't have to be in the right order. Um, but I think I know McKnight and Didero both drove for him. And I'm trying to think if there was anybody else. And I feel like that's where I'm going to fall off. Because even if I'm perfect up to now, I feel like there's there's another another 08 driver somewhere that I've missed. Um or I'm going to miss. And, um, but I think it was, um, I think it was McKnight and Didero in one order or the other. And maybe then, I don't know, maybe I, my brain wants to say that was it. And then, um, maybe there was a year or two where the 08 really didn't race too much or race at all. And then there became, um, then there became this uh this this team with Mike Barnes and um that's when i think they got um the hawk car then another hawk car um which is i think what what that's where we are now and there is no word yet i've heard rumors that Mike may step out uh, and retire i cannot confirm that but that's i've heard those rumors he obviously gave up the Vic Miller ride toward the end of the year because Ben Seitz was in it. 
um, and drove both the 44 and the 11 for Vic Miller toward uh, year's end. So um, I don't know, Mike. Uh, we'll have to see if uh, the hustler returns to racing. But uh, boy, if not, he certainly went out on top. I mean, you know, but for a gallon of fuel, he'd have gone out of the uh, two-time classic winner. And um, he's got the track record with an insane holy crap lap. So, um, yeah, uh, that's that uh, I think got them all. Somewhere I feel like there's another different 08 that has nothing to do with Sorrell that I'm missing. But, again, y'all can have fun with that. And, and you know, sometimes, you know, somebody comes in for classic for, from somewhere and runs a car and you just don't think about them uh, right away. But that's there's a bunch for you to chew on anyway with that. And, um, you know, again, some of the some of the stories, I mean, that that 08 car that that was the act champagne car that Fred Pete drove um, and maybe Ron Gamble. And then I know I'm almost 100 percent positive Sammy Carista drove it one night. And again, I have no idea why I'd remember that, but it just sticks out. Um, you know, that was a, that was a great car, but I think when, by the time they got it, it was kind of outdated and, um, but it was always fun to, to see it at the track. And I love the color. It was like a, a, a deeper blue it was a beautiful, beautiful car. Um, and now it's been restored with, to, to the champagne livery, which is amazing. So, um, you know, and guys like, uh, Jim Muldoon, you know, and, and you need the, the Dave Lauks and all of those guys, they were, they just enjoyed racing. And, um, it, uh, you know, the, the, that number, again, I feel like, uh, McKnight and Idaro both had really good runs in the car, um, when they drove it and, um, the Sorrell team, Eric and Gary and, and all of that team are just top notch today, even today. And so if it is true that Mike has decided to step away, and again, I don't, I'm just putting out what I've heard, um, then, you know, that's a great opportunity for somebody to get into a car that can win. So um, we'll see if we can get some updates on some of that for our next show. Um, so there you go. There, there's, uh, there's the show for today. Um, happy to be back sorry i was away so long it just you get to a point sometimes where you, you there's only so much time in a day and 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 getting this steering wheel nation project off the ground in its full sort of iteration with the magazine and the platform and all of that now is going to set set us up for a really fun and exciting 2023 and that's that's really why we were pushing so hard. And, and I can't wait to be able to kind of show you visuals and, and just let you start to experience it. Once we open it up, you can see it for yourselves. Um, again, if you do want to subscribe, you get the magazine and a year of access to the new community, the, the actual behind the wall part of it. Um, subscriber only area for $29.95. And um, you've got until Sunday the 13th to subscribe steeringwheelnation.com we have a big box at the top of the site um and i'll also put the link on the inside group facebook and we'll have it on the steering wheel nation facebook as well um and so in and if any of you uh want me to 
directly send it to you or whatever. Just let me know. Send me a message and we'll do it. So um, we'd love to have you all subscribe. It's going to be a cool magazine. We've got some awesome stories that we're going to tell between the magazine and the community. And you're going to get both the magazine and the community for your subscription. So um, we just want to we want to bring features to you and behind the scenes stuff and and talk about some people that are doing extraordinary things at all levels of the sport um, and uh, and really making an impact. And that's that's what we're about. So. Uh, if you like great racing stories and listening to people tell them, um, then the, this magazine and the community is for you. So um, $29.95, it really breaks down to about $250 a month. So, you know, we tried to keep it really reasonable. And I think you'll find that um, a year from now, you're you're going to look at it and go, it was well worth, you know, <laughs> what, what, uh, what it costs. So um, with that... Again, thank you to our sponsors, Indie Performance Composites, IPCIndie.com. Um, of course, uh, Skips Fish Fry, LaGroff's Pub, and JNS Paving. Uh, Rich Worth building a race shop that uh, looks like it's going to be a NASCAR shop when it's done. Um, it's been fun watching him uh, kind of keep, um, you know, keep us up to date. Uh, for as much as I've been on Facebook lately, I've seen some recent pictures and it looks like he's made a ton of progress. So, um, thanks to all of you who, who listen. And I hope that with what we're going to be offering here going forward, that you're going to be real excited about it and really, um, happy to be a part of it. We're going to give chances to win. We're going to, like I said, have some, um, we're going to look at doing a couple of, um, events next year, um, that will will kind of involve uh, behind the scenes stuff at, at different race events, and um, we've got something bigger planned for twenty four if this all works out. So um, until then, until next time, which will be next week, we're not going to take a long break between shows anymore. And in fact, part of the whole community initiative is now I'm going to have a place to do even more content. So um, that's part of this too, and so. Um, we're uh, we're really going to try to grow this into something special for the the whole of motorsports and not just for our, for us. So uh, have a great week, everybody. Be safe and be well. And uh, we'll talk to you on episode one hundred and nine of the Inside Groove coming up next week. So long, everybody. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive aerospace and communications industries find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com inside groove is a race chaser media production for more exciting and passionate motorsport content follow race chaser media on facebook instagram twitter and youtube and visit racechasermedia.com the opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff management affiliates or marketing partners of race chaser media no part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.